previously on Keep the Mess. I never really inhabited for myself a sense of maleness or a sense of femaleness. I think really what I want people to know about me is I care very deeply about the world. I look for ways to contribute. I'm often afraid that I do not have ways to contribute. I harmed a child in my care. My conviction was a child molestation in the first degree. I know what it means to be considered a monster. And yet, I have found ways to live meaningfully. Hello, I'm Eden, and this is Keep the Mess, Messy Conversations with Messy People, where we have conversations about how we relate to our bodies and go down whatever rabbit holes we find. I started this podcast because I'm a bit obsessed with this topic. I struggle with embodiment myself and wanted to learn about how other people live in and out of their bodies. I figured if I'm interested in these things, chances are that others are interested as well. So welcome, fellow obsessives. In this episode, I speak with my friend Michael. This was recorded May 7 and December 17, 2022, and it's the third interview I did. This is the second half of my conversation with Michael, so make sure you listen to the first half, Michael Part 1, Being Seen, if you haven't already. While the first part focused on Michael's experience with the legal system, this centers on their feelings of loss, their strong belief in telling the truth, and their longing for healing and wholeness, not only for themselves, but for others. As I said last time, this is likely the earliest of the recordings I'll be sharing, and as I was still recording on my phone, the audio isn't ideal. A transcript is attached in case you need it. Content warning for talk about sexual abuse, rape, and suicidality. And lastly, I want to remind people that just because I have someone on this podcast doesn't mean I agree with them on all matters, or even many. These episodes are not about facts or saying things perfectly, but about people's stories, their experiences, their processing. Connecting and communicating with ourselves and each other is a messy affair, so I ask for a listening ear and some grace. All right, here is the second half of my interview with Michael. There's this fear of, you know, the monster that's, that just can't wait to get, get their hands on another child. And at the same time, they don't even understand what actually ends up happening to the, those very children. I was the primary caregiver of the person I harmed, and uh, I had these stories. I, I remember the wife I had at the time. She uh, she was telling me about my daughter. Like, just had no idea where I went, what happened. Just, Could you, Papa? Where's Where's Daddy? looking for me to show up knew i was out that was it right and i don't know like there's a lot to say about and and i get this and i get this as being a very sensitive thing to say about like oh like she didn't know i don't think i really don't think she did i'm just knowing the nature of my action like it wasn't an overt that I had taken and at her age she was two at her age 
I don't expect that it registered. Hello there. Sorry for interrupting here. But this is the part where Michael talks about the act that led to their conviction. And we each decided separately that this was not helpful nor necessary for people to listen to. So I've cut it out. Um, so here I am just letting you know. And now back to the interview. I was like, whoa, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat with that for some time and realized that, I don't know, try to ignore it, try to get through with it. I realized it was like, you know, I have some danger here. This is not just going to go away. I'm going to have to actually like face this or like, uh, who knows, right? <laughs> I mean, who knows what's next? Mm-hmm. I, I was really concerned, you know, um, and I thought about a lot of things at that time about what I wanted to do. How, you know, was I, was I going to commit suicide, right? Take myself out of the picture. Was, was I going to run away? hide you know um, how do I deal with this right I decided to do what I thought was the right thing and um, I'm like okay I'm gonna seek help I'm gonna I, and I knew I'm like okay I can't talk I can't talk about this to the therapist and not be reported like this is just going to happen mm-hmm. so I just jumped in with two feet I'm like okay you know uh, let's just tell the police <laughs> Right, and uh, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't very smart. I say that because, and then like I, okay, so I removed myself from the situation, but my daughter was still in danger. And I sort of understood that much later. And I don't want to throw around accusations, but like I really have some concerns about like the situations that my daughter was placed in since then, and her safety. Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that for now. Um, but once I identified myself as a problem, I, I no longer could be an advocate for her. Like, I lost that. Mm-hmm. At the time, I I really could only worry about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so much in my head, myself, and like, oh, I'm a problem. Here's mm-hmm. what's going on. And since then... I feel like I've gotten a lot more understanding and perspective, and I don't think I did what I needed to. Like, I don't know what I would have done instead. I don't. I don't have. I still don't have a better solution. I don't, I don't think there was any good solution for such a shitty situation. But I don't know. I struggle to see what she got out of it. And I don't want to be. I want to be really clear. Like, I needed intervention. I needed to not be in that house. I desperately needed some years of like intense therapy <laughs> and working a ton of shit out, right? Like I needed some accountability. But I needed all those things. The system though is brutal. And absolute and uncompromising and for the longest time, like you know, therapy, well, therapy was, like, really advocating for supervised visitation, you know, with my daughter. Mm-hmm. GOC didn't want to do it. Again, it was liability concerns, I guess. Yeah. 
um, when I say supervised visitation, I just want to be clear. Like this is what the therapist who's watching me, right? Who knows about me? They're for protection of the child, and like we we, we do lots of debriefing afterwards about like how things went, and like you know how how do I show up in a way that's healthy? And, but yeah, um, as far as I know, my my daughter still doesn't know. As far as I know, she may have been told. I know when I had visitation with her, it was about five years or so after I had offended. There was no indication of her having any knowledge of any of the context of what was going on. Some some idea, you know, it's like, okay, there's something going on. But yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen her for a long time, since my ex remarried. So you did see her after conviction, though? I did, yeah, yeah. There was about a year or so where we had a handful of visitation. Originally, it was in a therapist's office, and then we had some, like, outings and things. We went once to a lunch and a couple times to uh, just some parks or whatever, you know, out on walks, like, arboretum, <laughs> things of the sort. It was great. I still have drawings that uh, my daughter had made for me. And then she, I mean, she's like, let me just get the year now. So she's 16, right? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't be graduating not too long from now. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> these drawings that she made when she was like seven or whatever, I still just have in a drawer. But like, just talking a little bit about that fear that I have, I'm like, oh no, like, do you see it's permitted and I was allowed at the time, but like, mm-hmm. you gotta realize, like, what, like almost 10 years have passed now. Who remembers that I even had that permission to have this thing? So now, like, I'm like, oh, they're going to discover this. They're going to forget that there's even a thing that I was allowed. And they can be like, what is this? And, like, it's going to be a huge problem for me. Like, because people forget after a while, right? Not like somebody wrote it down. What was the reason given why you were not allowed to see her anymore? Oh, um... It sounds like you were able to see her for Yeah, yeah, well, uh, her, her mother decided that um, she didn't want to continue. Uh, and... I mean, I, I respect that opinion. Uh, I respect that those wishes. I mean, partly because I have to. <laughs> but also, I really don't know what was going on. Uh, I can make up some stories. I know that she started seeing someone else at the time, my ex. And I imagine that could have had something to do with it, right? Like, a person could easily be like, well, what's this about? Why, why would you, you know, do this? That's an obvious one. Also, those sorts of conversations are going on, you know, like, my daughter could easily have been asking questions, like, why do we meet, you know, then like this, like, what, what's going on? And it could be really, I, I don't know, like, I mean, that's, it's got to be a hard conversation to have with a kid. And who knows how my daughter even did receive it or could receive it or, yeah, um, I, I guess... And I assume that stopped having the meetings to avoid having a difficult disclosure. Mm. That's my guess. Could have been a disclosure. My daughter maybe it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to meet with somebody who hurt me. Yeah. And that also, like, I understand that, right? Like, that makes a lot of sense, too. Mm. I have no idea. Like, I, I'm just at a place where I can kind of envision and think about, like, <laughs> different cases that, that could have been... All I know is I haven't seen her in a long time. 
I hope to see her. I hope to see her for her sake. I, kind of going back to my childhood a little bit, my relationship with my father, I realized how important one's relationship with one's parents are. If only, I mean, I never really had a relationship with my parents, um, either of them, like, really very disconnected. So I can't talk a lot about, like, what a, like, day-to-day relationship with the parent is. But I, I could talk about it in a conceptual way, right? Like, how I think about my parents. And and I recognize the importance of having a good story about one's parents, right? And with my father, how important, or rather I say, how damaging the story I had with my father was. My father the monster. And what does that mean about me? Right? Like, it's, that's inevitable, right? Like... And in this case, you know, I was raised male, so, like, I really associated with that, you know, I was like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm the little monster, <laughs> right? But I also recognize that even if you don't directly associate, you know, it just gets so intertwined in how you, like, relate with people and stuff, and I want my daughter, my daughter to be whole. I don't know how to give that to her, but if I can meet her and I can help to give her a good story of me, I'd really like that. I mean, for her sake, right? Like, so, so she she has something that she can live with, right? Like. That is not some torment or something that's hanging over her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think about a lot of ways how I can do that. And one of the ways, oh, and you know, like I need to get off my ass and do this. Like I want to write. Like I'm gonna give her a literal story, <laughs> but. Also, but it's weird because, let me tell you, like, contact is is really construed very broadly sometimes. There's this whole thing of, like, not just direct contact, uh, just, like, third-party contact and indirect contact, you know, like, having a picture is contact or, you know, learning something about somebody is contact. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I, I, don't, I don't even have to, like, talk to somebody or you know somebody could just say something oh i saw on facebook Mm. i mean i've had to shout people down starting to tell me those things like no don't say anything (laughs) don't say anything about someone that i want to yeah yeah but you know so then again okay so let's say i start writing this story or some story it's like oh yeah this is for my daughter oh my god (laughs) like do I go to jail for that? I don't know. Like, it's scary. That's part of why, like, I haven't done... Like, what am I even allowed? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's... It's so cut off. I, I can't tell you how much. Like, it's so hard. How do I... How do I ever... How do I ever, like... Yeah, how do I ever... 
get my daughter what she needs. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how beautiful I think this conversation is. And how beautiful I think you are. I don't think it'll ever cease to surprise me how beautiful people are. And how sad. How sad I am about um, all of these blocks to wholeness. And what you want for your daughter is wholeness. Very much so, yeah. And I'm sure that it's something you want for yourself, too. The one brings the other. Making my daughter whole makes me whole. I remember when I was telling you that I was nervous about doing this, and I felt very protective about your story. Oh, sure. And... You said it much more gently than this, but this is like how I have it in my memory was uh, basically, this isn't about you <laughs> and about <laughs> you being good at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm so thankful for it because um, it isn't, it isn't about me or being good at this. And I think the idea of being, being good at things isn't, super important it's about presence and I feel honored and I want I want wholeness for your daughter and I want wholeness for you did I ever tell you the story of what led me to do this I don't think so go go for it uh, so I I was finishing grad school and I was finishing my internship and I worked with people with severe mental illness, and I never expected to be doing that work or to enjoy that work. And the last day that I saw clients, my last meeting with a client was this guy who I'd been working with, and he just, he had just learned that he was dying, that he had a couple months to live, a month maybe, so he was dying of um, I think it was liver cancer. He was an alcoholic and he was part of this harm reduction program where he was drinking far less than he ever had in his life. And he was a writer and he had showed me some of his poems before and he'd always wanted to publish. And I remember him looking at me and saying, I wanted to leave my mark on the world. And I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to be pushed. And just the brokenness and the sadness, the grief of that. And I remember saying, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You're never going to be able to publish anything before you die. That's true. But you have left your mark on everyone that you know. And I didn't say that in some trite, stupid way, but it was true. Uh, 
we all loved him. And everyone around him loved him. He... Like, our whole community was grieving the fact that he was dying. And, um... And he was crying and he was holding my hand. And I was about to cry. And it was this beautiful moment. But then I, I left. I left really soon because I didn't want to cry in front of him. And, and later my supervisor said, it would have been okay for you to cry with him. And I, I wish I had. I really regret that. And I just wish, um, I wish I could do this again. And I thought of that because I, I get this sense from you of wanting to leave it a story. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a number of things come to mind about what you're, what you're sharing there. And that's, uh, I definitely experienced that a lot too, you know, the wanting to leave my mark or, you know, have some impact on the world, some positive <laughs> impact on the world. Uh, the story thing and what I was talking about is very specifically about giving my daughter a story, mm-hmm. giving her some way to know me and to conceive of me, but a story that she can have mm-hmm. and hold in a way that is not, I don't know, it's it's very much about legacy, right? And, and it's very much about, in my experience with my father, and understanding, like, mm-hmm. how my having no story about him, or my having a story of monster, mm-hmm. and, like, the impact that it did on me, mm-hmm. right? And let, let me just say, for, for the record, <laughs> that I have something very different with my father now, mm-hmm. right? I have a relationship now with my father. I would like to connect more with him than mm-hmm. I can, right? Like, there's just, there are barriers there that I don't think I'm ever going to get past. I have something of a different story. Uh, maybe just because I've aged so much. I mean, for me, that was, I feel like, so damaging. I guess even the same with my mother, right? Just, like, understanding the stories of my parents and the lack of, some sort of positive way to relate to them. Mm. My wish, my deep wish for my daughter is to give her something, let's take it back around to what I was talking about earlier, <laughs> to hang her hat on, right? Mm. Some way to think about me and to understand me that is, I would say like psychologically palatable, but like that's not, I don't, I don't, I don't like putting it that way, but that she can, that she can bear, mm. right? Which means, like, there's a lot of things in that, right? Like, which which means me showing up in a certain way, right? Like, mm-hmm. me, you know, being there for her. Like, however that ends up being, you know. Um, but also my being ready to and doing what I can. Well, I mean, I mean one, I like, they're very much just, like, work on myself, right? But also... And there's a lot of aspects of this. I mean, one is like being able to give an account of myself, mm-hmm. give an account of what I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be cute here, but like there is very much something about that being 
accountable, <laughs> right? Like, there's the telling, and and really understanding the importance of the telling, and what that can mean for somebody, right? Somebody asks you, why why did you do this thing? Have, having an answer for that, I mean, it's a hard like it, it's a huge answer that I think takes a long time to tell, maybe a lifetime, but. I also, like, I have a lot that I could actually give in that respect. But also just being ready to present myself in my wholeness, right? And sort of understanding of the wholeness and complexity of, of us, right? Of being a parent, right? I have a relationship with my child, even if there's no contact. Um, like as she goes and conceptualizes herself, she, she drives it from everything around her and her relationships and how she relates to people. And, and if the relationship is solely her father molested her when she was two, like she doesn't have a lot to go on. All she has is and what I'm saying is I want to give her more the story can't stop there I mean for her sake you know and and you know I can't force this right like there's no way like but I want to be available for it and I also I'm really sad about not knowing if I even like when I was talking earlier I was like can I can I even prepare for this how is that perceived if I try to get myself ready I'm like okay my daughter might you know reach out to me at some point in her life like this this could be a thing you know like children do this <laughs> you know you're, you're you're 25 and Mary's like I want to know about my my biological father what the heck right like this is a thing that happens like how do I prepare for that eventuality and how do I do it when my preparing for that eventuality is actually looked upon with suspicion mm. and concern and as it is like it, it can only kind of be in my head but like I, I was mentioning about wanting to write a story like it's because like I think of myself as a writer right? I say I think of myself because I don't write much <laughs> but if I think about the kinds of stories I would like to write, I would like to write something. I would, I would like to write a story for my daughter. Partly because I feel like nothing reveals another human being more than writing. Right? Very much is in my head. You know, it's like, it's, it's my thoughts, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say, like, this is possible a lot of this is very selfishly motivated, too. <laughs> I mean, like, sure, I guess I would like to be accepted. I question, like, how much how much of that comes up. Um, I want to prove. It's like, hey, I'm a good person. <laughs> See how I've grown. <laughs>
Yeah. Maybe. I don't think that's it, though. I mean, really, a lot of this is, uh, is, is formed by the pain I had growing up. And that's the easiest pain for me to understand. And I can project and imagine, like, this could be a problem for her. I don't know. Like, it's also hard. Like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know my daughter. I really don't. I don't, I, I don't know what she's like. I don't know what she struggles with. I, I don't, I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. It's, in fact, it mostly feels unreal to me. I'm like, oh, I have a daughter. Mm. Because it's been, oh, what, like 14 years since I've lived with her, <laughs> you yeah. know, and only had five conversations since then, maybe. Right. Something like that. So it's, you know, like, I know it, but not really. Like, it's, it, it all seems kind of unreal. Yeah, in saying that and what you were saying earlier about, you know, you can't do anything about this now, mm -hmm. but you are sort of preparing or, you know, wondering and, and all of mm -hmm. this. It, it actually brought to me the last line of the poem that I read earlier today in our, our reading group we grow through dreaming something mm. like that mm. in the Audre Lorde poem I'm just sort of imagining this idea of you growing and sort of figuring things out and then preparing for your daughter in this sort of dream aspect mm. yeah I think it's very accurate yeah because it's so is so disconnected it's like it's interesting it's real but <laughs> like yeah yeah i i like the sense of a dream in that way but also like the other sense of a dream is like it's very aspirational yeah out of my own curiosity I was wondering, how do you feel towards the person who raped you? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of beat around the bush a little bit and then I'll, I'll get to it. But yeah, how do I feel? Uh, I'll be sure to talk about the feelings. Um, I'm going to talk about how I relate mm. for a little bit. Uh, so I, I, as an adult, when I was, <laughs> was doing some amends work and this person had come up and uh, I, I'll actually go ahead and use her name. I think it's appropriate. Um, Trudy was her name. And so let me also say, I also witnessed her... Uh, molest her son in front of me um, and I believe well I also had knowledge from her about some sort of sexual assault with my brother so like I know of the, at least three people three children that she had assaulted and um, I also knew that she was 
her study was in early education and mm-hmm. she was working in uh, like some preschool or something of the sort, right? Um, <laughs> that's really th- and like okay like like what what am I what am I gonna do with this um, you know like how how do I show up in this situation? What does this mean? Also, like, what does this mean with me and my history? And um, where what I arrived at was um, I, I I reported the offense. Um, and so this happened in an Air Force base, mm-hmm. and it happens that Air Force that in the Air Force there is no statute of limitation for this. Um, and so, like, it was actionable, right? Um, and yeah, so I met with a couple of investigators from the Air Force and went down to, to talk with them. This is not where this individual is at. She's off another place in the country. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I reported it and I, I talked with them and nothing really came out of that, right? I mean, they were polite and they <laughs> took down everything and... They said they would follow up, and then they would let me know. And that was the last year. Um, I'm a little, I'm, I'm disappointed by that. Like, I, I'm a little bit bitter. I'm like, okay, like, really, like, like I, I, I can name three victims. Yeah. <laughs> and she's in the care of children, <laughs> and, and nothing. I don't know. Like she's still doing that work yeah yes still actively well and that's why i talked that that's yeah. ultimately why i came to it's like okay my action here is to break my silence and um because she is actively like she's still in the she's still like mm-hmm. you know, she's like a i don't i don't know i think she was working in a preschool or something sort of right um it's like this is dangerous. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So so I don't know. Like partly, I had some resentment. Partly I'm like, okay, like there's some real ginger stuff going on here. Like, not as worried because. She's a woman. Right, um, I I don't know, I really don't. Um, I, I yeah, it, I'm not sure really what they could do with just my word either. Uh, I I don't know. Um, I would have liked to have just heard back or just say, hey, like we asked a little bit, you know, nothing came out, and just even just telling me that would have been really helpful. Um, I. Uh, I mean, needless to say, like, it was a huge impact on me. Like, it really hurt me. Um, I, the, in particular, I felt responsible for it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that was, that was hard to deal with. Um, yeah, actually, that you know, <laughs> I could directly relate my rape to my uh, loss of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was I was raised Christian, and I, I very clearly like I remember like 
time in my bed and when I realized um yeah I'll go ahead and give the story so yeah I had been raped and uh actually for me like because of my home experience and sort of what was going on like I felt very um I felt very unloved right and you know this woman as she was well the term was term we use is grooming and she was grooming me and mm-hmm. like she was talking a lot about love and, you know, and about this being an expression of love and and uh, I really sort of latched on to that and um I uh like you know I, I felt so unloved at home um and so like sort of afterwards like I was very elated right I sort of living in dreamland for like a period of about two weeks mm. and at one point my mother asked me she's like hey um did anything happen when you were over at trudy's i said because i'm talking about my brothers my my 14 year old boy is wanting to go back over there and i think that's just weird right um and i denied it He's like, no, 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 nothing happened. Um, and then, uh, so that was it. Like, we had that conversation. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, no. And then I, I just crashed, right? Um, went off a cliff, so to speak, emotionally. And um, so, yeah, my mother was very ashamed about around sex and sexual topics and like anytime sex was brought up in movies or whatever like she would always visual visibly cringe and mm-hmm. sort of exclaim about how wrong that was um to be fair to her she did get i mean she was pregnant at 15 um and mm-hmm. you know like so she has some trauma around that um and uh yeah, but yeah, she 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 would talk a lot about uh, you know how wrong sex before marriage was to never do that, and God really doesn't like that. It's bad. Um, and then so I had this dawning when we had this conversation. I'm like, oh, that was sex. Like, that's when it hit me. Like, I didn't quite know it beforehand. I'm like, oh, that was sex. And I did this horrible, evil thing that I'm never supposed to do before marriage. And I was devastated. Like, oh my God, how could I have done this terrible thing? Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I cried. Like, I... Part of this was, like, I lost my faith. Right, like I, I, you know, I was out of God's graces, right, and I was a terrible person, and um, really, like a lot of things at that moment, like started for me. A lot of my psychological traumas, I would say, you know, a lot of my self hatred and like self abuse and some acting out behaviors, and um, yeah, like like a. It's pretty obvious and clear for me to like sort of draw that connection. Um, it happened so suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the 
two weeks after uh, when I had been raped. Um, and yeah, like I took the responsibility on for that. And I mean, coming back to ginger questions, right? Like I took the responsibility because it was, you know, being identified male. Mm-hmm. Sex was my responsibility, right? It was my fault. Um, that's very much how I interpreted it, right? Um, and so, yeah, like I, I lived with that. Um, and for a long time, I, <laughs> I guess I loathed her, right? I, I was disgusted by her. I thought she was just like gross. And, yeah. And like, um, I, I blocked this out of my memory for some time. And I know, like, I was really iffy for a long time. I was like, did this really happen? Because, like, it came back to me, like, in a flood when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, did this thing really happen? Uh, and nothing really triggered the memory. <laughs> like, I wasn't in therapy or anything. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. uh, recalled this. But then, like, I had some conversations with my mom and my brother. And I was, like, able to piece together, like, enough mm-hmm. supporting things. So I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like this yeah. this this really like oh that really happened oh we really had that conversation about okay <laughs> like yeah. you know like uh all right <laughs> um and uh yeah uh so yeah there was discussed for a long time um i i don't know i mean what do i think like i don't Again, like, she's kind of unreal to me, so, like, kind of really don't know her very well. I don't wish her ill, right? Partly because I can understand, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I I know, like, I can do things that harm people. I, I wish there's some accountability, like, that, you know, there, there isn't any... Um, people don't seem interested, which is disappointing and alarming. Um, partly, I I don't know, like, I make up stories about that too. It's like, well, is it, is it because, like, I'm not credible? (laughs) Like, because my background, I don't have a, I'm not a credible witness. I don't know. Um... I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but now, like, I, I don't really, I don't really harbor anything against her, um, because, because I think I've, I've processed it, right, like, I've dealt with it, mm-hmm. um, I, this is something I was able to really, uh, process a lot in therapy, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, uh, and coming to understand that I wasn't responsible for that as a child, right? Like, and, uh, yeah, but also, like, it's interesting, yeah, I mean, th- these things are very, 
you say very sticky for children, right? Like, this is why it's so damaging is because like, so much of, you know, identity and personality and like so many things are being formed and um, like every little thing that she said, <laughs> like, like I latched on to, right? Um, as a kid and um, like they they loomed so large for me um, they they were so important you know like you know, the fact that she had disparaged her husband to me and like you know her disgust there and it's like okay so like what does that mean you know and it's like and these things just you know, they, they, they end up in my beliefs and expectations of how, you know, like, relationships between people end up, like, working out, right? Like, so, yeah, it was really, really impactful. Um, I, I'm scared for people that she's in contact with, right? Because I don't think that she's ever been helped in any sort of account or ever gotten any sort of healing or help for anything. It's just likely I mean there, there's a pretty big jump from like single to like multiple victims and like um and just saying like I I really worry about her being out like I, I don't know I don't know what she's doing right and and so yeah, I, I have a lot of concern about that, um, and I wish there, I wish there was something I could do. Um, I was wondering, was part of the reason that you turned yourself in so that you wouldn't jump to multiple? No, I don't, no, I, I didn't have any concerns around that. Um, I, yeah, um, I was really worried about what, how I was going to harm my daughter. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, my feeling, my understanding of things were, were at that time that it's like, that I hadn't crossed boundaries, right? Mm -hmm but I was at imminent risk of crossing boundaries. Mm. Um, and just to be really clear at looking at, I mean, it, if I just look at a very legalistic definition of things, that absolutely, I, I was convicted for exactly what I pled to, right? Mm. Um, absolutely, I, yeah, uh, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, I pose very serious risk to my daughter and um, yeah I, I wasn't my worry was that I had no control over my behavior mm -hmm. like that became evident I was like oh I, I can't like I feel like I'm safe you know, I, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm safe or if things got bad enough. I was like, uh, I would never hurt somebody. I mean, kill myself first. I really believe, like, 
keep myself in check, right? I was like, I'll, I'll kill myself before it hurts so much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, no, actually, like, that's, you know, like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I can't rely on that. Um, like that became obvious and evident to me. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, I was like, I, I'm, I am going to hurt my daughter. Like it, it, I, I, I knew that, like, I, I could not stay in the situation I was in and her not be devastated. And so, so I stopped. And, and to be clear, um, I molested my daughter one time. Um, and I also want to, I'm going to say this another way as well. I molested my daughter. <laughs> right? And it's interesting. This is, again, this is kind of a, it's hard to talk about things, right? Um, and that. I think a lot about how my words land Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of thoughts about like, well, am I minimizing? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's like, Oh, just one time. (laughs) Right. Like, and how do I, and how do I speak about this with clarity? Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes I fall into, as you said, some of the clinical language for that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I molested my daughter on one occasion. It's absolutely my belief that I would have done it again. Mm. And probably continued to have done it had I not intervened. Mm. And that that was that was my desperation. And realizing that I had to talk to somebody, you know, I talked to my spouse at the time and then social worker and then the police, Mm -hmm. then the judge, (laughs) all sorts of people. Um, Yeah, that was my way out. Yeah, I mean, because because I I acted in ways that were horrifying to me, and I couldn't account for it. Like, I, like, why am I doing? You know, why did I do this? And why do I have this? You know, I I experienced. Uh, yeah, it was really bizarre to me. Like, I experienced some you know, compulsion to do it again, um, and. Like, like this is not something I want to do. Yeah, it, it took a long time to sort of understand unpacking that too, and like sort of what everything was going on with that and conversations for another time, perhaps. Yeah, the the last thing is you know we've used the language monster and you just use the language of sort of horror mm-hmm. uh, and I was wondering what language would you prefer 
to be used about you and um, Trudy and you know these past actions but also your present moment I guess that's a big question but um, yeah you know I was working for a little bit on I was doing some blogging around this which I, I kind of stopped because so, so this is some of that fear that I had around you know Department of Corrections stopping me right and writing too directly about these things but anyways like sort of breaking down and thinking about monster and like what does that mean and I think really what came up for me around a monster conception of monster is that like a monster is really something like that we can't bear right it's gone outside of our experience and we sort of lose touch with reality and the only thing we resort to is monstrous right it's a thing that's it's broken us in a way right like it's too much we can't do anything more here except just you know it's, it's like so walling off of what we can't see. Mm. So you're asking about language, what language we want. It's, it's less really about language and more about experience. And what I want is for people to be able to sit and see this stuff. Mm. Um, it's hard, mm. but it's also vital. Because I think, as a society, we're fundamentally broken around our sexuality, right? And these things happen. We don't talk about them, right? We don't have the capacity to deal with them. I didn't have the capacity to deal with this horror, right? And what happened to me mm. as a child and and I suppressed my memories. Right? That that's what I could do in that moment is explicit and I actually I remember like making that decision actually. It's like I'm I'm just I'm never gonna think about this. Mm. Right? But I think we have to do better. So we can't heal when we can't talk about it, when we can't name it, right? When, when, when all we have are the words monster and, and we can't sit with the reality of what happens, these things that happen to people all the time, we can actually do something about it. The opposite of monster is human, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's humanizing languages, <laughs> language, right? But, I mean, language is important and language is helpful, but it's not what I would stress. I'd really stress listening, sitting through discomfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes asking, how can I help? 
I mean, for me, like, this is a question I ask a lot. It's like, okay, what can I do? How can I show up? How can I help? And I said, in these contexts, you know, ask it. And there are horrible things going on in the war right now. How can I help? What can I do? You know, it's... I, yeah, I, I, well, and that's a protection mechanism as well, right? Um, so I can't sit and just stare at the horror. But I can move into action, and I can, I can, I can find out how to how to move forward, how to help someone else move forward, right? So. Yeah, language is important, but really, really, it's a this. Or say an attitude, or yeah, it's a way of being. I want to see more healing in the world. <laughs> this truly is the last question I have. Sure. Earlier, you you said that it was. It was appropriate or is important to mention your abuser's name, Trudy. And yeah. and then you also before we talked, you wanted your name yeah. connected with this. Yeah. Can you expand on why the names are important? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been told by people really to be careful about my story, uh, telling my story. And even recognizing that like my story is not just my story, it's other people's stories mm -hmm. as well, right? If I use my name and then I say, yeah, I, I abused my daughter, then I'm also putting my daughter's story out there, mm -hmm. right? I think that's true. And I, I think there's a lot of care to be had. Like, this is real, right? Like, um, it's quite possible that my daughter has no idea and that something like this could actually inform her and it can inform her in a, like, very surprising way. Could also inform, you know, her friends or whatever, right? At the same time, I'm very worried about, it's like, when's it happening? is this is yet more silence. Mm. So we're so afraid of how people out there in the world are going to take a story and use it against people mm. that we never say anything, mm. right? That my daughter might actually not even know what happened to her. And it's hard and again, I'm going to stress, like, there's so much care that needs to be taken. This is a precious and vulnerable thing. I also don't want to let that lead us into this fear of never letting the truth be known. And for good or ill, I've always been very beholden to that concept of like speaking the truth 
I believe in that a lot. I believe in the power of truth. You know, whether or not my daughter knows what happened to her, she feels it in some way, right? I'm not in her life. Like, that is felt in some way. Like, it's showing up. Not speaking truth is adding confusion, right? But also just looking at it, you know, a, a very broad, like, social perspective. If people never know what's going on, like, how are we ever supposed to deal with it, right? How are we supposed to deal with it? Like, I don't know. I... So I believe in the truth mm. as a mechanism of healing. I, I very much believe that without truth, that there's always some degree of, I don't know, some vestiges, some leftovers, like... We can never quite get to, you know, what, what's gone on. Um, but also, yeah, I, I was, in that moment, yeah, I, am I going to mention Trudy's name? I, I very much, you know, thought and considered, it's like, okay, you know, what, what am I saying about people? Am I looking to protect her story? Mm. Right? I'm not commenting on the appropriateness of this at all, but I'm just saying this is not what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not naming and shaming her, right? It's just a decision that I'm making on how how open am I being right now, right? Like, how, how much do I want to speak what happened um, and, and that also, that includes who, mm. right? I don't know. Yeah, I want to stand by my story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's important for me and maybe myself. Partly because it so rarely happens, mm. right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I want to treat these things with care, but I don't want to hide. Well, thank you for sharing your story with me. All right, so I'm here with Michael. It's December 17, 2022, which is, let's see, it's been seven months since our original recording. Um, and I've just started releasing the podcast and Michael was wanting to add a sort of end note, um, which because Michael was so early in these recordings, um, I wasn't doing that at the time. And I've started doing that with the interviews now. So yeah, here, here's Michael. And this is what they wanted to say. Thank you, Eden. Uh, I really appreciate being able to just kind of add a little context um, to our our quite long conversation we had in May. Um, I'd like to thank you for giving me the chance to share about myself and to do so in depth. That's not something that one often gets to do in their life. I mostly just wanted to say that, but I also wanted to leave this acknowledgement. I imagine that most 
all of your listeners have a story of their own of pain, of triumph, of uncertainty, whatever it may be. And I wanted to say that I wish everyone the opportunity to tell their own story in their own manner. I don't think there's much greater opportunity for the world to heal and connect than this. Healing is what I most desire for the world. Thank you, Eden, for creating this space and for the example for me to do the same. Thank you. I re- I've really appreciated not just the interview that we did, but uh, all the conversations that we've had as well. So thank you again, Michael. <laughs>